through James, the second chapter. Um, I have not heard from the honeymooners, amen, um, but I trust they're doing well, praise God, and um, enjoyed that uh, wedding last uh, Wednesday evening with um, Paul and Tammy, and we just uh, continue to think of them and wish them well, and believe that Father has good things um, in store for them, amen. I'm going to continue our study this evening on the subject of genuine faith, genuine faith, and we're going to look at it from a little different uh, perspective um, tonight, and um, I want to come back and review a little bit from last week, but let me go ahead and, and uh, let's look at this verse 14, James chapter 2 and verse 14. It says this, what does it profit, my brethren, if someone says to you, he has faith, but does not have works. Can faith save him? Again, what does it profit, my brethren, if someone says he has faith, but does not have works? Can faith save him? So if I could just quickly, I'm not asking you to turn to all these verses. I just want to run through a few verses that we've looked at in the course of our study. Um, last week, we looked at 2 Corinthians 13 and 5, where we're instructed to examine ourselves examine yourself. In other words, I'm not to examine your faith. You're not to examine mine, but I'm to examine my faith. And, um, and you're to examine yours. Examine yourselves as to whether you are in the faith. 1 Timothy 1 and 5 and 2 Timothy 1 and 5 both speak of Timothy's sincere faith or his unfeigned faith. And if there's a such thing as simulated, I'm sorry, if there's a such thing as unfeigned faith, then obviously there is a such thing as feigned faith, just as the Bible talks about a, a true worshiper and someone who's not a true worshiper. And so feigned faith is faith that is pretend or simulated. And we said that something that's simulated is something that looks like the real thing, um, as, as many characteristics of the real as possible, Without it, without it being real. And um, I know that for some of you, you know, these things maybe are not as, in, you know, as far as things that you've experienced in, in your own walk in life, but there's just a lot of folks today who have gotten a hold of some things the Bible teaches about faith, and um, they've tried to add, you know, the lingo, they've tried to add the formula, they've tried to add the steps. Um, and um, it, everything, you know, seems to be faith, but um, it, again, it's, it's simulated or pretend and not genuine. 1 Peter 1.7 says that genuine faith is more precious than gold. And then the last verse we looked at last Wednesday night was in 2 Corinthians 10 and 15, where he says... Um, not boasting of things beyond measure, that is, in other men's labors, but having hope that as your faith is increased, we shall be greatly enlarged by you in our sphere. And so what Paul recognized was that for the church at Corinth to um, be more supportive of him, both financially and in spiritual warfare and prayer, that it was going to require their growing in faith. They're increasing in faith. And notice that his confidence was that as they increased in faith, 
um, they would be able to increase in these various areas of assistance and participation in the work of the ministry. Now, in James uh, chapter 2, he begins to talk about this um, reality of faith. And one of the things that we can know about you know, whether our faith is genuine or not is that genuine faith produces results. Amen? And, and, and that's, again, that's not to, um, to bring any kind of condemnation or, or guilt or anything like that on anybody, but um, you know, another way that we talked about last week is when we're in genuine faith, we're at rest. And we're not all stressed out and frustrated and aggravated and kicking the cat and all this other stuff. We, we're, we're at rest. We, we just know. I mean, things may, you know, circumstances may not appear to be favorable, but, you know, in the midst of those circumstances, if we're in faith, we're going to be at rest. Um, and so James comes at this from a little different angle in that he's talking about evidence of genuine faith um, will be in our works, in our works. Now, <clears throat> I don't want to go too far down this road, but one of the, um, one of the issues that James had, I'm going to come in there with you if it's all right. One of the issues that, that James was dealing with in his day was the beginning of the new covenant Remember, I mean, Jesus came and changed everything. These were, there were a lot of Jewish people who were born again, but they're still living according to the law. And now we see that salvation is not of works, lest any man should boast, but it's, um, you know, by grace through faith that we're saved. Um, and, and so where does that leave a person where our works are concerned? And so there were those who believed in James's day, just as there are those who believe in our day, that our works or our efforts or our labors are not necessary, have no impact, and that, you know, we're just kind of floating on this cloud of grace, eating cream-filled donuts till Jesus comes back. And, and, that, and that's just simply not reality. It's, it's not in alignment with Scripture. And so James brought... The Holy Spirit used James, let me say it this way, the Holy Spirit used, used James to bring some balance and some understanding uh, and some correction um, in several areas. We've already looked at the beginning of this year the things that, that the Holy Spirit taught us about test trials and temptations through James. And, um, and so here, again, we have another one of these areas where James is being used by the Holy Spirit to bring some clarification. So let's, let's start to break this passage down if we can, amen? First of all, I want you to notice that genuine faith is profitable. Let's not overlook that. Genuine faith is profitable. When he says, what does it profit my brethren if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can faith save him? So what James is really talking about here is, is, is a feigned faith, a simulated or pretend faith, 
And obviously, faith that's not genuine is not profitable, but let's not lose sight of genuine faith is extremely profitable. Genuine faith moves mountains. Genuine faith uh, enables us to walk in the fullness of what Father God has done for us and what He has given to us. Now, James, again, asks a very uh, pointed question. He says, can faith save him? Can faith save him? Now, on the surface, you say, well, wait a second, Pastor Mark, aren't we saved by faith? And the answer is absolutely, we are saved by faith. So don't get confused by what he's saying. He's not giving us these things to confuse us. He's giving us these things to clear up the confusion that existed in his day and a lot of the confusion that still exists in ours. So before we tackle this question, can faith save him, we've got to understand the context. And the context is not can faith save him, but can faith without works save him? Or can faith alone, as he's going to say in some of the verses that follow this, he's going to to put that word alone in there. In other words, faith without any action on our part, can faith alone save him? And the answer to that question is no. Faith alone cannot save a person. A general belief or faith that there is a God is not what is required for someone to be born again. To be born again, you must not only believe that there is a God, you must believe that Jesus is His Son, and that God the Father sent His Son to this planet, and that Jesus died for your sins, and that God the Father raised Him from the dead on the third day. Not only must you believe that in your heart to be saved, you must then confess that out of your mouth. There's where the action, there's where the works, so to speak, um, come into play. So just some general, vague, um, you know, broad, uh, you know, idea that there's an intelligent designer somewhere out there in the universe, um, and, and, you know, everybody's worshiping the same God and, and, this, and this kind of stuff. No, 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 that, that, can, that will not, cannot save a person, okay? So he's asking this question, can faith save him? But again, the context of it is, can faith alone save him? And the answer to that question is clearly no. Now, also to understand this question, you need to expand your idea of this word save. Okay. So when he says, can faith alone save him? We you know, think just in the simple terms of you know, receiving salvation, receiving forgiveness for sin. Okay? And while that is included in this, that is only a small portion of what's carried uh, in this uh, little Greek word sozo, amen, that is translated here into our English text, save. Okay? So let me just run through this, um, and, and I'll try not to take up the rest of our time here because there's some other things I want to talk about. But this word save, can faith alone save him? Save here means uh, spiritual salvation, uh, you know, receiving salvation. But also this word means to rescue. Can faith alone rescue him? This word means deliver. This word means deliver, okay? Can faith alone deliver him? All right? This word, are you ready? It, it means to make whole. To make whole. 
Well, it seems like there were some folks that, that, that laid hold of Jesus by faith in, 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 and He said to them something to this effect, your faith made you whole. Your faith made you whole. So we see that genuine faith can save you, okay? And, 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 and genuine faith, you know, and salvation literally meaning to make whole. Alright, save here also means to keep safe. So genuine faith can keep you safe. Genuine faith can protect and preserve you from danger, loss, and destruction. I got the right bunch tonight? Anybody interested in some of that? Reckon we live in a dangerous world today. Reckon we live in a world where, where you know, people so possessed by hate and the devil and whatever walk in synagogues and start shooting people. Now, I'm not, I'm not judging anybody. I'm just, this, this is talking about me and you right now, okay? And so notice that, that faith, faith without works can't save you, but faith with the right works can make you whole. Faith with the right works can deliver you. Faith with the right works can rescue you. Faith with the right works can keep you safe, protect you, preserve you from danger, loss, and destruction. Faith with the right works can deliver you from disease, death, and demons rescue you from impending peril and even imminent death. Just to add to um, what we've already mentioned about being made whole, this word save carries with it the idea of physical healing, being restored to health, in addition to, again, what we often think of, save from eternal death, sin, including the misery and consequences associated with our sin. Can faith alone save him? No, but faith working together with the right kind of works in our lives, the right kind of action, you know, springing from faith, can produce all of these results of salvation in our lives. Now, James is going to break this down for us in, in, a, in a greater way. And so let's keep reading in verse 15, James 2 and 15. If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you says to them, depart in peace, be warmed and filled, but you do not give them the things which are needed for the body, what does it profit? Thus also, faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. Okay? Now, the Holy Spirit through James is making a brilliant comparison here. The Holy Spirit through James is revealing a parallel first between love and works so that once we understand this principle as it exists between love and corresponding action, we have a platform in place, a template, if you will, in place to make the more challenging connection between faith and works or between faith and corresponding action. 
Now, what he's saying here in so many words is that not only is faith without works is dead, uh, love without works is dead also. Love without works is dead also. Now, I want you to think with me for just a moment, okay? And, and let's just stay with the example. It's a perfect example. It's a simple example. I think it's something that we can all understand. You got somebody who, I'm not, you know, he's not just talking about somebody who's struggling here. He's talking about somebody that doesn't even have clothes to wear. I mean, an extreme case of poverty. Someone who is literally without clothing and without food. So I know it doesn't say this, but that pretty much tells me there's, there's no shelter here. I mean, if, if you don't have clothes to wear and you don't have food to eat, I, I don't think you're living in a three-bedroom, two-bath house. Amen? So we're talking about somebody who is in desperate need. And how ridiculous it would be for a born-again believer to say to that person, be at peace, depart in peace. That Depart in peace doesn't mean get out of my face. We, we, we would think of it more along these lines. We would think of it more of like saying, be blessed. In other words, depart in peace was like a, it was like a greeting, a salutation. Um, you know, uh, and so, you know, like in a, in a moment, we hug, shake hands, hug next, tell somebody you love them in Jesus, whatever. That's, that's kind of a way that we greet one another. Good things come and we greet one another. So depart in peace would, would be like um, saying, uh, go and be blessed. Godspeed. Thank you, Matt. Godspeed to you, my brother. Okay? And while you're at it, in the name of Jesus, brother, be warmed and be filled, thou filled now. Right? You know. See what I'm saying? See, I'll just talk, right? It's just, you know, we would never think of that as being true love. We would never think of somebody who, who responded to someone in that desperate of a need as having genuine love in their heart for that person. Never would we ever mistake that for being the real McCoy when it comes to love. I mean, we, we, would, we would think of someone who expressed their love in that way as, as having feigned, pretend, simulated love. Why? Because they got the words, they got the jargon, they, they got the, the, the condescending tone that's got a little syrup with it, you know, and, and, and they got that sincere look on their face, kind of like a little bit constipated, just be blessed, brother, you know, you know, and, 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 but, but it's all just talk, right? There's nothing, there's nothing there. Nobody's, nobody's profiting. Nobody's benefiting from this at all. So what we know is that genuine love in the heart will be released and expressed through effort and action of the body. Of the body. Now, it's a little bit cumbersome. I tried some different ways to word that. Let me tell you why I, I just really feel like the Holy Spirit is wanting me to say it this way, or, or the bigger point of what He's wanting to communicate. And that is, love is something internal. Love is something that, that, that abides and resides and comes from the heart. 
And we're right about this. But the efforts or the actions that go along with love, validating love, revealing genuine love, are external. So you've got love, that's something that, you know, I mean, I, I, I can't look in Brother Jack's heart and see love in there. I can see how he treats other people. I, I, can, I can see how he gives and helps and serves and loves and prays and cares and calls and checks. I can see all that. And I'm, you know what, that's, that, that's a man that's got some love in him. But just by talking, you know, I mean, I can sit here and tell Austin all night about how much love I've got in my heart for him, for the world, for all this stuff. And it may be true. He could tell me all the love he has in his heart. And it may be true. But if there's never any action to go along with it, we're going from something that's internal, again, something that you, you can't quantify, you, you can't measure it, you can't weigh it. Because it, really, it's, we're talking about something spiritual in nature even, the love of God in our hearts, right? So at some point, the inward love has to be translated and expressed and released through outward action. Right? John said it this way, let's not love in word only, but in deed, in action, and therefore in truth. Truth, love, is more than words. Truth, faith, is more than words. So do you see how he's trying to, not trying, he's doing a masterful job, of, of helping us see this first in the context of genuine love. And then once we understand it from genuine love, using that understanding to get a better handle on what genuine faith really is. Because not only is love something internal, spiritual, it released and expressed through outward action, faith is the same way. Faith in the heart is something inward. It's, 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 it's invisible unless there is an action that, that, that reveals it. Okay? So, let me, let, let me get this part said, because I want to make sure you get this, because I really felt like the Holy Spirit, again, gave me these words, and I, they really helped me today, okay? You've got... You've got love inward, and then you've got what love does. That's outward. So then you've got faith. That's inward in the heart. With the heart, man believes. I can't look inside your heart. That's why James said, Show me your faith without your works. Can't do it. Tell you about it, but I can't show it to you. The only way I can show it to you is by... He said, that's why he said, and I'll show you my faith by my works. You following this now? Let me, let me tell you what... Listen now, I... I understand, I know get some folks nervous and I start talking about some of these things, and I'm not trying to make you nervous. There's some things that we need to understand here, okay? And so when we talk about simulated faith, obviously faith without works is dead, but works without faith is dead. Right? And so 
we, we, you know, we, we've got to act our faith. We, we've got to act on our faith. Absolutely, but we've got to make sure there's some faith there to act on. And that comes by hearing and hearing the anointed Word of God and not by having heard. Something that, that we're feeding and growing and developing and increasing and becoming stronger and stronger on the inside of us from faith to faith. And so we see in, in, in those ten lepers how they heard and it, and it activated and aroused a measure of faith in their hearts and they, and they acted on that and then Jesus spoke to them and it increased their faith even more and then they acted on that. They didn't try to go from I heard Jesus healed somebody, so I'm going to show the priest that I'm healed. There, there, was, there was growth steps along the way. And, and each time they were taking a step of faith, they were stretching themselves, they were stepping out there. Satan, you know, bringing resistance, don't even bother him, all this kind of stuff, right? Think about, we have it recorded a few times, but think of how many times people probably said to somebody who was sick, don't bother the master. You have no idea how many times people begin a conversation with me. I hate to bother you, Pastor Mark. You are not bothering me. Okay? You understand? But notice that's just the devil, right? I really need to talk to Pastor Mark, but if I talk to him, I'm going to be bothering him, and I'm just a bother, and blah, 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 right? No, it's the devil. It's the enemy, right? So now it's like, you know, our, our works, our, our corresponding action, but it's, it's like, you ever heard the expression, somebody knows just enough of something to be dangerous, knows just enough about something to be dangerous? And so it's like, well, we heard somewhere, we read somewhere that if you're really going to be in faith, you're going to act like this and all that stuff. Absolutely, but again, do not get the cart of works before the horse of faith. So love and faith are internal. Actions, works are external. You've got love in the heart, and then you've got what love in the heart does. You've got faith in the heart, and then you've got what faith in the heart does. If you read the 11th chapter of Hebrews, read it tonight before you go to bed or in the morning or whatever. Read it in the next day or two. But pay very close attention. And, and he's telling us everything that the heroes of faith did by faith. What they did by faith. Okay? Again, so we're not just saying, well, if I really believed... I was healed, then I would do this, and so I guess I'll go ahead and do this, and hopefully by doing that, I'll believe that I'm healed. That's not faith. That's not faith. Okay? That's trying to bring a characteristic of faith in. Something simulated has all the characteristics, but it's still not real. It's still not genuine. Yes, <laughs> Brother Jack said that he saw a sign today that said you can fool the pastor but you can't fool the master and I, I tell people straight up if you want to fool me you can because I'm not looking for negative I'm looking for positive I'm looking for the best in you and, uh, and so amen just know that alright amen so think about it now um, 
Again, love in the heart released and expressed through effort directed towards another person. Love is internal. Doing something to help someone is external. Love in the heart released and expressed through effort directed towards another person. Now listen to me please. Be warm and be filled can be felt and meant from the bottom of one's heart But if no action is ever brought alongside, then the cold and hungry are cold and hungry still. Remember King Agrippa? Kind of making a dog and pony show out of the Apostle Paul? And got so close to the bank of salvation, to the river of salvation, that he almost slipped in? He asked for Paul to be removed. He he was wanting to hear Paul's... He was wanting Paul to testify before him and he wanted to hear his case. And boy, Paul just told him all that God had done in his life and what he had seen in the heavenly vision and all that stuff. And King Agrippa's like, get him out of here. He almost persuades me to be a Christian. Because again, he's hearing the word of God. It's activating faith in his heart. But notice he didn't follow through with the action. He didn't actually call upon the name of the Lord, at least on that day, that we, and none that we're aware of in the future to be born again. Now, I want to flip this for a moment because we've been saying that, you know, faith without works is dead. But works without faith, we said, could be a recipe for disaster. So, the template for us to fully understand this is first, genuine love in the heart expressed by what genuine love in the heart does. Pretend simulated love talks a good game but doesn't help anybody. It's unproductive. Okay? Unprofitable. So, what about works of love without real love in the heart. Are you following what I'm saying now? Faith without works is dead. Works without faith is dead. Love without works is dead. Works without love. What does that look like? It's dead. Because works without genuine love is what? It's all show, right? It's all for self-gratification. Doing things to impress others or doing things to try to impress God. Am I right about it? People do nice things for other people all the time that are really for themselves and not the other person. They do things for other people so that they can feel better about themselves. Acts of service, acts of kindness, acts of sacrifice. All to look good in the eyes of other people. And even to make themselves look good and feel superior to other people. All in the name of love. Remember what he said. If I give my body to be burned but do not have love. See, see, we, we think, well man, anybody that's doing something for somebody else is doing it from love. No. No, not at all. There's people who do things all the time, sacrifice all the time. It's all just for show. There's no genuine love in the heart. 
there's no genuine love in the heart. It's all about self. So in the same way that someone could mimic, simulate what love does without genuine love, someone, again, could mimic or simulate what, what real faith looks like with no faith in the heart. And in both situations, there's no profit. In both situations, it's unfruitful or unproductive. Love without what love does is dead. What love does without love is also dead. Faith without what faith does is dead. What faith does without faith is also dead. You getting this? All right, verse 17. Well, somewhere 17 got lost in this. I apologize. Verse 18. Did we already read 17? We did. So verse 17, thus also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. Verse 18, but someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Notice, before I go any further, notice now how this, in their day, they had split off into two camps. You had the faith camp, and you had the works camp. You know, Republicans, Democrats, whatever, Auburn, Alabama, you know, literally camps in opposition to one another. So James says, let me, let me speak to this idea that one group has faith and another group has works. And you know how that is, right? You know, one of the things the Lord showed us in the early days of heritage was that the Bible says that it's the, um, the, the, the word and the blood and the Holy Spirit, right? They, they all agree. And if you look at how denominations are formed, you, know, you have denominations that primarily focus on getting folks born again. And, and so those will be the ones that I would talk about, the blood of Jesus and, and, and how getting people saved is so important, and it is so important. But then you got folks who say, well, we're Pentecostal, we're, we're spirit-filled, we, we speak in tongues. And then you got folks that say, well, we're a word church. And it's like they divide off into camps. Okay? So somebody said, what kind of church is heritage? I said, well, we're a, we're a blood-bought, word-based, spirit-filled church. It's not one or the other. I'll never forget my grandmother. She, she was alive in those days, and she didn't understand what I was saying. And she kept saying, why does he say we're a bird-faced church? I don't understand that, right? So I said, maybe not bird-faced, word-based. Word-based. Okay, all right. Uh, love you, Mimi. Praise God. All right. So again, so it's kind of like this. You know, remember, these are the same folks that said, I'm of, I'm of Paul. I'm of Apollos, you know. And Paul's like, no, you're childish, right? Okay. So they're saying, 
well, I'm, I'm, of, I'm of faith. Well, I'm of works. You know? and, and, and so James says, well, let, let me ask you a question. Show me your faith without your works. And I will show you my faith by my works. Now, let me, let me give you a, a simple statement here, okay? Faith and works are not two opposing positions. That's, that should read TWO, praise God, pardon the typo. Faith and works are not two opposing positions in competition with one another, but are two co-workers with different skill sets assigned to the same project. Okay? Again, not two opposing positions, but two co-workers, different skill sets, assigned to the same project. Verse 19, he says, You believe that there is one God. You do well. Even the demons believe and tremble. Now, he just went somewhere that only the Holy Spirit could make a man brilliant enough to go. He said, you're sitting here arguing about which is right, the faith camp or the works camp. And he says, have you stopped to consider that the devil believes in God and that belief is, as odd as this may sound, so genuine that it creates a response from him. In his case, his faith in God, the devil's faith in God, belief in God is so genuine that it causes him to shake in his boots. You, you, are you following what I'm saying here? Again, that's a, that's a, as James was known to do by the Holy Spirit, he used some really unique ways to communicate things, and this is one of the more unique ones here. Basically what James is saying is you're sitting here arguing about it and, and the devils believe in this God that you're arguing about and it causes them to at least shake in their boots, tremble at the thought of it. Again, how can you genuinely believe and not have some kind of reaction? Is the point, amen? But do you want to know, O oh foolish man, that faith without works is dead? No, that's a question there. He's asking them, do you want to know this? All right, I know I'm out of time, but think about what he's saying here. You realize that the one thing nobody can teach you is the thing you don't want to learn. <laughs> if you don't want to know it, nobody can teach you. Nobody can teach you. You say, Pastor Mark, I, I'm not sure about that. Well, read the Gospels. Because you got Jesus himself alive and well on planet Earth. Truth in human form, speaking truth, trying to teach people. And the ones who did not want to learn, he could not teach them. Okay? So James is addressing here this idea that these folks have adopted this, this mindset and now it's put them in this position to where they don't want to know the truth and don't want to, to learn that faith without works is dead.
Verse 21, was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered Isaac his son on the altar? Last verse for the evening, verse 22. Do you see, another question, do you see that faith was working together with his works? And by works, faith was made perfect. So again, they had this idea that faith was in one camp and works was in in another camp. And they were arguing about who was right. And he says, they're not two opposing positions, but they're co-workers. They're different. I was trying to think of some different ways to illustrate this. It's kind of like, if you understand construction, they'll bring a crew in that'll do the rough framing. And then they'll bring a crew in, and, and, and Charlie Smith's one of the best I've ever seen. Charlie Smith, you can't really see it behind there, but that archway and that three-dimensional, um, all that sheetrock work, all that's, all that's I mean, it's, it's fascinating. I, 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 I held his ruler for him or whatever, you know what I'm saying? I was there with him, but he did the work, okay? The point I'm trying to make is, you know, any finished wall, you got, got one group of folks that worked on that wall with one skill set, then you had another folks, the group that came in and did the sheetrock, and then a third group, you know, that Danny would have been leading the way on there, they came in and put the paint on it, right? In other words, it's, it's different people that have a different skill set, but it requires them all working together to get to the finished product. So faith is like that. You've got to have the faith, but you also have to have works, what faith does, working together with faith. That's what he says. He says, Abraham had the faith, and do you not see that faith was working together with his works? They were, it, was, it was not an opposition, but a, a concerted effort. And by works, by what faith does, the faith that was inside of him was made perfect or was made complete. Or we could also say was made genuine. Was made genuine. And what does genuine faith do? <laughs> it can save a man. Deliver him, make him whole, protect him, prosper him, promote him. Amen? Amen. All right, stand with me. Praise God. Father, we love you tonight and we thank you for the things that you're teaching us and the things that you're revealing to us. And Father, I thank you that, um, that we are just simply increasing the time and, 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 the, and the effort that we're putting towards hearing and receiving and hiding your word in our hearts. And I thank you, Father, that we are growing in faith and we are, we are becoming stronger and stronger in faith. We're not, we're not staggering like we once staggered at some of the more extreme things that you've promised to us. But Lord, we're giving glory to you and and we're growing in faith and we're becoming fully convinced, Father, of of some of the most uh, amazing and beautiful and profound things that you've ever spoken concerning the life of a human being on this planet. And so, Father, I, I thank you tonight that you're helping us understand um, the value of the, the, the cart and the horse and the horse of faith and the cart of works and, and how these two work together with one another. 
and how one can never do the other's job. Father, as, as, as important as the inward faith is, um, it, it can't take the place of the outward action. And as important as the outward action is, Father, it cannot take the place of, 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 the, the, of the inward faith. And so, Lord, it's these two in synergy, Father, that produce genuine faith and the results that only genuine faith can produce in our lives. And so, Father, help us, Lord, to ponder these things. Help us, Father, to, to have the courage to examine ourselves. And, Father, that, that we would continue to increase in faith more and more, uh, walking in more and more of who you are and what you have for us. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Shake somebody's hand, hug somebody's neck, love somebody in Jesus. Thank you for being here this evening. Good things coming.